Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann, the ContenderCast, for shining a light on bright ideas today. <laughs> We're talking to Jimmy Olmos. He is the creator of the Black Rain Pepper Mill. You're probably like, oh my God, I can't even wait. We're talking about a pepper mill today. Yes, we are. I can't even wait to dive in. Um, Jimmy, so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. I was laughing because um, <laughs> when I hit record uh, the first go round, I read it as the Black Rain Paper Mill. And I'm like, and then I was like, wait, did I mess that up? And anyway, it was funny. I was reading an article and someone else did. So anyway, um, Jimmy, so great to have you with us. Please share. Yeah, so great to have you. Talk a little bit about your background and then we'll get to the product. Well, the interesting thing about this is I've spent the last 40 years in watchmaking um, and I owned a partners in a company called Freestyle that started in 1980, was highly successful. We had one of the most successful watches in the country called the Shark Watch for, oh, maybe eight or 10 years in the mid 80s to the mid 90s. We sold that company in 2000. Um, I stayed on for a couple of years as the CEO and president of that company, reporting to a new VC group out of New York. Uh, it was a California beach lifestyle company, which didn't work so well with the leadership out of New York. So that was relatively <laughs> short, short schooled. Um, and uh, I left about um, probably June or July of 2022. Um, the nice thing about me leaving is I still had a contract. So I basically retired for a while, getting paid a nice sum of money um, to play golf and go water skiing and snow skiing and all the things that I'd love to do. Wow. And then recognized at 50 years old, I was too young to really retire. And the truth is, I was kind of forced into retirement. It wasn't like I chose to retire. So we, um, after about, oh, I don't know, 10, 10 or 12 weeks of retirement, said, you know what? The thing that I really love doing is designing watches. Right. So we started a new company called Reactor. And Reactor was a... Um, a watch company, but much different than the freestyle company. Freestyle was very much beach lifestyle and inexpensive sport performance, it, uh, like water sport watches, but, you know, $50, $60 kind of thing. Sure. And the objective of the Reactor brand was to build a really high-performance Swiss-oriented watch that would compete with the likes of, a, you know, a Breitling, a, DAG, a TAG, or that type of a watch, but at a much less expensive price. Wow. To make a long story short, we developed that company. We we started the development in the middle of 2003. We shipped our first watch in 2004, became very successful um, in that niche, meaning um, sport performance, high, high quality and affordable product. Um, and we've done that for the last 20 years. Um, and... The traditional watch market, meaning analog watches, have been seriously hurt by cell phones and digital watches and sure. smart watches and so on. Absolutely. So as that business started to decline, we said, you know what? What are we going to do next? And interestingly enough, when we started Reactor 20 years ago, 
we started it under the umbrella of a company called Wild Ideas. And Wild Ideas is the managing partner of Reactor. But Wild Ideas also had two other divisions. One was called uh, Aging Eyes, which was a reading glass division. And one was a houseware division, which was initially going to develop a really high-end pepper mill. So that's how we founded the company. But the watch business took off so quickly that we kind of put the other two components of Wild Ideas on the back burner and focused exclusively on Reactor. Wow. That's so so now that we, now when we fast forward 19 years and my watch business is declining and I'm thinking, okay, I'm 70 years old now, but I still don't want to retire. What's, what are we going to do next? I said, you know what? Let's go back to the original concept of developing the best pepper mill on the market. And let's see if we can't develop something that is uniquely different than anything else. And what kind of drove that concept is I am a pepper fanatic. I absolutely love fresh ground pepper. And I I must own 50 different pepper mills, none of which have ever come close to meeting my expectations. So I have a, you know, I don't have any, I don't have any formal background in design and development, but I've been doing it for 40 plus years in very technical products like watches. So I said, you know what? I can do this. So we like developing a watch, you set out your criteria of what you want to try to develop and what your expectations are and what the criteria is. And then you start just checking it off. And that's how we started developing Black Rain. Wow. And that that was about probably 14 months ago when we actually started the development. And it took us about, I don't know, probably five or six months to get through the engineering phases and the first prototypes. And then more prototypes and more engineering and more design and more prototypes. And just a week ago, we got the final prototype that is without a doubt the finest pepper mill on the market. Wow, that's so interesting. Um, so why why this space? Why a pepper mill? Like, how'd you decide <laughs> this is going to be this is going to be my product? You know what I mean? You know, and and the, the truth to this is, twenty four or twenty five years ago, I was in a Ruth Chris restaurant <laughs> eating dinner in the Orient, and they had this absolutely killer pepper mill. That was electronic. And this was, you know, 25 years ago, keep in mind. And I was enamored with it. And they actually sold them in the restaurant. And this is 25 years ago. And it was $149. And I bought one. And I said, Jesus, this thing is amazing. <laughs> and then I bought a second one. And both of them eventually broke. The company went out of business, which is what inspired me 20 years ago to have that part of the division of wild ideas to actually develop a pepper mill that was even better than the one that we had used in Ruth Chris and purchased. Um, And then that went by the wayside because of the success of Reactor. And then when we just said, you know what, let's go back and revisit that. Now we've got new battery technology, we've got LED technology, we've got all kinds of new things that were not available 25 years ago. So we basically said, okay, Let's go back and re-engineer this thing to the point that it is a current technology and without a doubt the best on the market. And let's identify all of the negatives of all the pepper mills on the market and let's check them off as we go forward and correct each one of them. So although watches don't have a freaking thing to do with pepper mills, 
that the development process is very similar. Meaning you say, okay, this is what we want to achieve. This is what we think are the negatives of the product on the market. And how do we develop something that addresses all those negatives and make it as perfect as we possibly can? Wow. And so the, although the two products are totally unrelated, the, the technical aspects of actually building a watch are much, much more difficult than building a pepper mill. So um, I've found it similar in the development concept and phase but much easier when you start talking about, you know, the size of the parts and the components and so on. You know, uh, one of our watches may have, I don't know, when you talk about the movement and the dial and the hands and everything else might have 400 parts. Sure. And and our pepper mill, as sophisticated is, might have 70 parts. Wow. So it's very different. But the the development process is very similar. And the, the outlook and the quality expectations are identical wow that's really really cool now where did you how or did you manufacture this and how did you figure out manufacturing well because i've been dealing with the orient for many 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 actually 40 40 plus years i have some very close relationships there and even though the the watch development and obviously a pepper mill are very different some of those relationships are involved in multiple different um industries so I went back to one of my ex-partners in the Orient that actually was a partner in Reactor for a period of time, who has done a lot of projects for as seen on TV kind as seen on TV types of projects. And I his name is William. I said, okay, William, this is this is the new deal. This is what we want to try to develop. This is what we're going to try to do. And it has it has to be the very best. We're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna do any shortcomings. We're not gonna worry about price points. All we're gonna do is build the very best. And that's where we started. Wow. And I identified, I think the most important part of this, honestly, is to identify the things that I didn't like about all the other pepper mills on the market. Because if you're going to build a pepper mill and it's going to be similar to other ones, there's already 100 pepper mills on the market. Why bother, right? Wow. Yeah, so, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, we just started identifying them. And it was, you know, most pepper mills are very top heavy and they spill over very easily. Very few pepper mills have a large coarseness adjustment from fine to coarse. In fact, none of them actually have a good coarseness adjustment. Um, they're difficult to adjust, you know, with a little with a little thumb screw at the bottom. You never know what you're going to get until you get to that point. So you're always guessing what it's going to be. Um, you know, many of them don't put out a great deal of pepper. So you crank and crank and crank and crank and crank and you get just a little bit of pepper. Um so we said, you know what? We can fix all that. And that's basically what we did. <laughs> that's so great. How are you selling it today? Or and actually before we even get there, talk about the crowdfunding campaign that you undertook. Well, I gotta tell you, that was maybe the most interesting experience of my life. <laughs> um I am I am a I'm really good at b- building and developing product, but I'm not a great marketeer. So when we decided to go to our crowdfunding concept, we hired a group of people that all they do is crowdfunding, you know, and we went through many iterations and we, you know, partnered with Indiegogo and we did all of these things that we thought should yield a really great uh, campaign funding program. And interestingly enough, it was successful, but nowhere near as successful as we expected. And we're talking about a marketing company that's all they do is crowdfunding. We're talking about Indiegogo, 
which is absolutely the leader in crowdfunding, right. you know, and has a second um, uh, format, which is called In Demand. And so we partnered with the very best, I believed. And um, with all of that partnership and with all of the expertise and money that we spent, we were not nearly as successful as what we expected. And so we kept changing things, right? We stepped changing the MO, we stepped changing the customer profile. We started, you know, we never changed the product, but we changed the landing page. You know, is it more important to talk about not cranking, but being electric? Is it more important about the volume? Is it more important about, you know, the um, ease of change between spine and course? You know, we did all of this tweaking type of stuff, which usually yields better results. And the truth of the matter is today, the marketing company, myself, and Indiegogo collectively are scratching our heads trying to say, there's no reason this should not have been more successful based on the price point of the product, the quality of the product, the landing page, and all the other stuff. Sure. And the truth of the matter is, none of us know why. <laughs> Now, I mean, with that being said, we met, you know, we met our funding goals and we did all of that stuff that we set out to do, but nowhere near the kind of expectations that I had set for myself. And it's like, good Lord, you know, I thought the best product is supposed to succeed. And (laughs) and what it comes down to, in my opinion, in today's world is it's not about the best product. It's about marketing. And if you have great marketing, you can have a mediocre product. But if you have great product, it takes longer to get the goodwill in place, and then you'll have a much longer-term business, Sure. but it doesn't start off quite as quickly. So that's kind of where we are. We've got, without a doubt, and I mean this honestly, without a doubt, the finest pepper mill on the market, and we are, um, I wouldn't call it limping along, but we are not nearly as successful as we expected to be on the crowdfunding side of things. Sure. Makes sense. Um, and that it's definitely a challenge. Who Who is your target consumer and how are you taking it to market? So the initial was crowdfunding, you know, which is basically reserving your space at a reduced price to get the pepper mill when it's available. So that's, that's step one, which is the crowdfunding part. Step two is what Indiegogo calls in demand, which means you basically are on a similar platform but you're not under the same 30-day criteria to try to raise money, but you still don't have product in hand yet. Um, So that kind of goes on for the next, but we have product due early November, so early August, so call that 90 days. So we'll stay on Indiegogo for 90 days, continuing to promote, continuing to get goodwill, continuing to send product to, you know, celebrity chefs that have just actually given us five-star ratings continue through that and then as soon as we know that the product is in port um, then we will evolve to our own website and start promoting through blackrainpepper.com and our objective is to go direct to consumer um, and if we prove to be successful enough and we get interest from high-end you know call it a bloomingdale's or a williams sonoma or somebody like that we would certainly entertain that, but on our terms, not their terms. Because what I learned what I learned in my watch industry is, you know, in today's world, there's no such thing as a final sale. Right. You can sell Costco or Amazon or whomever 
you know, 5,000 watches because they ordered them. And then if they don't sell, they give them back to you. Right. Which is very difficult. So we decided that, you know what, we're going to go direct to consumer, give them a really fair price. And then if we have the success we hope to have, and we get the inquiries from the large retailers that are, you know, upper end retailers, then we'll say, okay, we're happy to sell you, but these are the terms and you can buy it or not buy it as opposed to them, us going to them and saying, oh, by the way, we want 65 point margins and we're not going to pay you until it's sold and blah, 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 blah. And so you're planning to just turn those down? We if Today, if they were to come to us on their terms, we would turn it down. That's correct. Interesting. I mean, that's kind of how retail works when you're a new vendor. You know, it's, it's what, what I've found is that big sales are terrific. I mean, absolutely terrific. But they're also come with a lot of, um, call it, um, well, risk, right? So you, and I'll share this with you just very quickly. So we sold Amazon 5,000 reactor watches and they bought them. We made them specifically for them. It was an amazing watch. They promised us X amount of marketing. The marketing didn't come to fruition. We sold, or they sold about 2,200 of the 5,000 watches. And they returned the other 2,800. Now, mind you, they wrote us a PO. We built them to their specs. It was built specifically for them. It wasn't part of the reactor line. Right. And we got back 2,800 watches. And they wanted us to repay them for those. And I said, well, that's not going to happen. We'll, we'll give, we will repay you as we sell them. But what, what we realized is that these large companies have so much power there's no such thing as a final sale. So we've elected to go to the direct-to-consumer model. Got it. Just to and get some initial volume going. Exactly. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, Justin, I don't know much about that. I'm learning as we go. Sure. Hope, hopefully it's the right way to go. Um, but time will tell. How are you planning to market the product to get the word out about it? You know, we're already very involved with Google and Google Analytics and Google Ad, AdWorks. Um, we have eight or nine celebrity chefs, four of which have put um, amazing posts about how incredible the, the uh, pepper mill is, about how easy it is to adjust, how much volume it puts out, and blah, 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 blah. So I think what our, uh, what our goal is, is to market through celebrities through testimonials and as soon as we start shipping them i'm quite sure we'll get four and five star ratings from everybody and we're going to encourage those kinds of testimonials and then do everything we can to get that out into the marketplace and then through google we'll do everything we know how to do that if anybody even thinks about googling pepper or pepper mill or recipes or whatever it may be we come up in the first three Got it. Yeah, that's great. Um, so great having you on to, to share this idea with us um, in your early days. It's going to be fun to see you roll this out. Share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you, learn more about um, the product. So you can go to one of two places. BlackRainPepper.com is our website. Or you can go into Indiegogo slash BlackRainPepper.com and actually go to the funding page. I love that. Easy enough, right? It's going to be fun. Dude, the fun part's right in front of you. It's going to be exciting. Um, <laughs> so great having you with us today, Jimmy. Um, looking forward to having you back on to share some of your excesses down the road. 
Well, let's hope we can get back together and I can I can tout the success. <laughs> I can't wait. Thanks, man. Hey, Justin, thanks so much, man. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.